Welcome to the Decipher the Media podcast. Today on episode number four, we have Dave Major. Um, he's somebody who I've worked with on many productions in the past around Pittsburgh. He worked on location sound on Body Farm for us. And this was, he came into the production just a few months after we started. Before that, we were just kind of doing some amateur audio on it, which didn't really work out, which is when I suggested that we hire a professional audio guy. And we found Mr. Major to come on and fill in for professional sound. And I've been very thankful that he was doing that because the production wouldn't have turned out the way it was without his help. Um, so we talked a lot about uh, audio recording and his uh, work as an audio guy in the area. We also talked about his work on uh, other productions, such as he worked on the Dr. Phil show. And he also worked on a project in Cleveland called Anadonia with Breckenmeyer and Emily Kinney of The Walking Dead fame. So that's pretty awesome that he's been working on projects like that. Um, and then he's also been working as a grip, so he's been trying to get into the grip union, so he's been tr putting in his hours as a grip as well. Um, so we talked about that, um, a few methods of uh, location sound, and we also talked about uh, music and music recording. Um, particularly, uh, Mr. Major is a guitarist, he plays guitar, and he, uh, he records on his guitar and uh, we discussed a little bit about music and him being in a thrash metal band and him going to concerts, um, particularly metal concerts that he uh, really enjoys. So it's a well-rounded podcast about sounds, music and the like. So uh, hope you all enjoy this and this is going to be episode number four with Mr. Dave Major. definitely a camera and we're hold on what are you doing i'm i'm, I'm doing audio things leave me alone i just do things i'm getting close to my face i'm allowed to control okay the microphone all right i've been I'm moving just, it this whole time i'm just making sure i want to i'm don't, around don't with break it. it i'm don't not gonna break it, it. I'm, I'm a professional audio guy oh <laughs> who said that i didn't say that did i, I say uh, you were a professional audio guy what does this do that's like Ooh. yeah that loosens that we are live. Well, not live, but we're recording. We're recording. Wonderful. Yeah. So, um, all right. We're at, I don't know what episode this is. This is Decipher the Media. Uh, eventually, this episode will go up. It's probably somewhere after episode five. I'll figure that out at a later date. But welcome to Decipher Media. Let me try that again. Welcome to the Decipher the Media podcast, a podcast where we discuss media and the deciphering of that particular media. <laughs> um, we talk about, audit, uh, you know, we've done film stuff already. We've done more film stuff. We've just bullshitted with the previous guests. Well, today we have David, David, Dave, Dave. Dave. Dave, you yeah, want me to sure. go with Dave? I don't care. Dave Major. Yes, sir. Dave Major. Um, and why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello, I'm Dave Major, and I am a professional upcoming sound mixer in the greater Pittsburgh area. I work on film sets. I've worked with Steve here on a movie, a few movies now. And, um, yeah, it's, I record people. I make people sound good and hide microphones on people and it's a venturous lifestyle yeah yeah we've definitely we've worked to get we've crossed paths several times in the past that's definitely true um being an audio guy he helped me to figure figure out my new audio setup just a little bit ago 
because I had no fucking clue what I was doing. He doesn't know what phantom power versus not phantom power is. So Why don't now you, he does. Why don't you explain that to the audience so everyone knows what that is? Okay, well, <laughs> we'll see here. Steve has a microphone that he has a shotgun microphone pointing at his face. It's a long little microphone that he enjoys to look at time to time. And um, it has a battery for a double A in it. It's called a Rode NTG2, and it's a uh, non-phantom power microphone. And... Uh, that's what powers it. But he bought this little circular cylinder, and it doesn't have a battery, and he's a little confused. So I'm like, did you turn the phantom power on? What? What is that? <laughs> I didn't know what phantom power was. No idea. Okay. Well, it works now. He's like, oh, wow, I wish I had known that. The mixer powers the microphone, basically. You turn the switch on the mixer, and the mixer plugs into the microphone, and now it starts working. See, Wonderful. now I know. See, I... I just learn as I go. So I've never had to, you know, yeah, me too. do that in the past. Use phantom power. So because basically all my microphones up to this point were either USB powered or I put a battery in it. So now I know for the future. Now you're good to go. Phantom yeah. power is the way to go. Phantom power is the way to go. So what uh, what are you working on late, recently? Recently I've been, I've had a really, really busy March last three weeks of March for just insanity. I worked with Dr. Phil. Um, really? I the Dr. On, Phil. I worked on the Dr. Phil show. He wasn't on set, but I worked for Dr. Phil's project production. He did a uh, really, <laughs> really messed up. You can't. He wasn't on there to like tell you how much. No, a, a horrible... I, I drew oh, the you doctor. You are a terrible person <laughs> because you're a man. Yeah, no, my Dr. Phil experience sucked. I will say, um, I got the call the day before when I was on a commercial for a company called Warhol Up Productions. This big, I was on this first national bank commercial doing interesting stuff for banking commercials, whatever. But mm. um, I got a call and I was just like, hey, we want you to, uh, we need an audio guy. We're in a pinch. We want you to use this old ass sound mixer. We don't want to use your kit and the run. I'm like, well, what is this old ass sound mixer? Sound device is 422. I'm like, what the hell is that? It's <laughs> just like, um, I think it's the 442. That... No, it's the 442 or 422 or whatever. But uh, it's this old mixer that doesn't have a screen on it. And it just has a button, bunch of lit, lit up buttons. And they're like, oh, we're going to, we need an audio guy. It's a super easy mixer to use. And we need somebody to come in and go out and work for the Dr. Phil show. We got to, like, we have to go in, it's an Ohio travel out and location with your camera guy and start making, making, making the show work. So, I get to the location in the morning. Luckily, I brought my kit because I was worried. I was like, shit, I don't know if I'm going to use this old-ass, archaic, 20-year-old mixer. Um, <laughs> I go into the location, and the camera guy named Chuck, the meanest guy I've ever met in my life. Oh, really? The prick. He was 75, and he's just like pissed that I was there. He's like, I'm not happy. He basically told me, he's like, I'm not happy that you're here, and we have to travel out to Ohio because you – have put yourself in a bad situation. You don't know how to use this mixer. I'm like, I got my kit though. It's okay. I'm probably not even going to use the mixer. I'm not going to tell the company I'm using their kit because I just need to, it's just, they're just doing camera audio. I'm just doing a feed to a camera. Once when you feed a camera, then your audio actually, it doesn't even matter what you record on the mixer. It's just feeding the camera. So they don't know the difference if you're record using your own kit or their kit. It doesn't, ma it doesn't matter because you're just sending, you're just outputting to the camera and it works. But uh, Chuck was very rude. He basically says, whatever you got to do, get the job done. Do it. Get it. Shut up. I was like, wow. Good morning to you, Jackass. There's a lot of assholes in it the film. He was a prick. Like, uh, I haven't worked a lot in the film industry, but I, I have met some real assholes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Know? And I've been on a, there's a more and more. So I've been on some bigger things, some small things and a lot of small projects I've been on with really good people. And some people, they think they're like the best thing. are like, Oh, you're working for me today. Oh, well, here's me. This is what I do and make it happen. And I'll be like, and I'm gonna be a douche. Cause you're here because I'm wonderful. And I'm not going to pay you anything. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. But yeah, Chuck was rude. He, uh, we drove the car ride all the way up. Two hours out in the middle of Ohio. Um, uh, Dr. Phil was not there. I was sad. But it was only a three-hour day, which was really nice. We only oh, shot for three hours, but we awesome. drove for four hours. But the guy was so stingy, so rude, and he didn't hey. play any music in the car, which really sucked. So I had to listen. 
or not listen to anything. <laughs> it was just like, it was either being really mean or I had to like think about my thoughts the whole time. I'm like, fuck, why am I in this car? Why didn't she just like, I don't know, put some headphones in or something? Because I was the navigator. Oh. It's professionalism. Professionalism. Yeah, we went in the Wendy's and he was just like, I want a steak and cheese. What's so hard about that, kid? <laughs> it was awful. But Dr. Phil's show was okay. But yeah, I've been, on, I've been busy, but I got a big project coming up. So it's redemption time. Uh, working in Cleveland for a 21-day movie called Anhedonia. Stars Breckenmeyer and Emily Kinney. Breckenmeyer is Road Trip and Rat Race. Emily Kinney is The Walking Dead, um, girl who played Beth. So I'm stoked to actually be on probably the biggest project I've ever landed in the audio industry mm. for myself so far. Yeah, I'm stoked to be a part of it, and it's going to be a 21-day straight film. So it's like a 266-hour week. So I don't know if a lot of people can do that, but I'm going to do it. Oh, hey, it's yeah, you know, it's an opportunity. It's definitely yeah. worth it. Um, especially with that kind of, I mean, that is definitely a bigger, like a bigger, would you say it's more of a bigger indie budget? Oh yeah. So the project has, um, it's, I was told that it's, it was, it has a $250,000 budgeted project. Me and Steve normally work on projects that have like 20,000 and under. And like, that's like still what's weird. Low, um, films or low budget films are if it's under a million dollars, it's still considered a low indie. What me and Steve normally work on are something called ultra low indies or passion projects, as they're really mainly called. Because <laughs> is there know. is that the official yeah. terminology for it? Yeah, ultra low. Ultra low is just like below, like way below a million, and like we're normally working on ultra low projects. They're ultra like they're passion projects. They're ultra. It's called yeah. ultra low. Oh, okay. Because low indie is, um, yeah, under a million. And still, like, this this project's, like, under... It's a quarter million budget. I'm almost like, damn, this is awesome. I've never been on a project this big. They got... We're shooting on a freaking bus and crap. Like, an actual, like, transportation bus. It's actually a very simple script. I finished it today. And it's, um... Can't say anything about it, but, like, um... Very dialogue-heavy. Okay. Extremely dialogue-heavy. Well, I mean, uh, that that's understandable for something that low of a budget... You know, you gotta emphasize. Yeah. At least from my from my personal experience, you have to emphasize more on the story. This this is a strip story piece that I landed. Um, it is like from I was it was like when I got seventy five pages in, it was like there was only like thirty five scenes. Yeah. Does my cat want out? Yep. I'll let her out. Okay. Go away. <laughs> Cat's just been chilling here like the entire time, and all of a sudden now she's just tired of us. Yeah, but no, that's that's all. That's it's gonna be interesting. A lot of lot of dialogue, and I've done a dialogue, a very heavy dialogue script before. Me and Steve got to work on a really fun project called Body Farm. We just kill everyone with blood and guts going everywhere. Yeah. So that was fun. Like I like working on I like working on projects that have a lot of off script stuff or off my it's like or cross, I guess it's called across the page like stuff in like act like action in between the dialogue like stuff that has a lot of action which is a lot of fun. Yeah, crazy stuff. A lot of dialogue stuff means uh, I'm going to get really tired holding a boom really fast. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because <laughs> audio is very important for that. Oh, my God. It's Yeah, it's like it's going to be body mic heaven, relying all about body mics. And then um, I might – I'll probably have a like a, a sound – I asked for a sound PA to hold the boom for me time and time just because there's time where I will definitely have to. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, at least it's not like audio – I mean, would you say audio action shots would be a lot harder to coordinate? It's audio action shots are more so like a scratch track. If you're doing like, say, it's like a like a crazy ass sequence with guns. I worked on a project um, two years ago. I worked on a project with uh, Chris uh, Nezbolinski, whatever. I can never pronounce his name. Whatever. He's a guy who did uh, the project called Truce which is like a Vietnam film. And we uh, did a reshoot of a Vietnam film two years ago. And speaking of like doing audio for gun scenes, like, yeah, it's like, it's a little crazy. And it's like a boom, like, it's just easier. Just have to like, it's just like a boom microphone. If certain things clip because guns go off, well, that's fine because you're going to fully that in later. That's yeah. really what it yeah, is. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of things that go on in post-production for that. It's I'm like assuming. so post-production heavy and it's just easier. Dialogue can be tricky just because like, you got to get it right. Yeah. 
You got to get it clean and you got to get it right. Absolutely, so that'll be a little stressful. ADR is not most of the time not great, right? Not a great alternative. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it's not bad. You just want to get it as clean as you can. I've been pretty good with a lot of the projects I've done. Um, very very minimal. I've only just I just started. I I've done like two two ADR sessions this year, and it's been relatively really really easy. Um, so no, it all depends on how you record it on set. And my okay. job is to make it as clean as possible and explain to the production what's happening if there is a problem. Right. How can we fix it? Or right. What are we going to do in post production to make it better? Right. Communication is key. I understand that. Um, have you done anything like outside of like the film? sort of like the the film community that's audio related i was always i've always been curious to ask you um any sort of projects that you've done that aren't necessarily film related i don't but know. require audio that's a good question um it's like i pretty much mainly do production audio because Pro- i don't do production I audio don't really do um audio by myself ever I only like I like to get paid for doing audio. <laughs> it's yeah. like that's yeah. like really about it. Um, you know, like I guess I've recorded, um, like I record music really crappily in my house. It's really about it. <laughs> it just like sucks. What do you whatever. What do you have to do to record that then? I have hid my tube, my Blackstar tube amp in my closet. Stuck a like a, a actually a, a a vocal microphone on it i actually okay. lay it on top of my fishing tackle box that actually is not <laughs> even used for fishing it's okay. used for my wireless tape so like for when i wire with people I, I put it i don't even have a mic stand i put i lay it on top of this box it just fits perfectly and i just lay it on the box and then i just i put it on the microphone and then i send all these wires underneath my closet door i tape the freaking blanket to my closet and then oh i send God. it to my desk and i start recording it's fun it works it's kind of stupid looking. <laughs> it's like some guy was laughing. He was like, he's like, wow, it looks, this looks pathetic. You do professional audio and this is like ridiculously stupid looking. Uh, and I'm like, hey, I don't care. It works. Yeah. I get my yeah, ideas out. But no, I really don't do anything with audio outside of um, the industry. Yeah. It's really about it. I, in the industry, I, would, I do other jobs. I work as a grip a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, I do a lot of grip work. Uh, I've done stuff in the union for grip and I'll continue to get some days. Hopefully I get hired mind hunter season two to do, um, grip days to get my days into the union. Um, so I'll probably be a union grip before I'm a union sound guy, but, and I've done some camera work in the past shooting for Brandon Keenan and some other people time and time, or I've done, I, I don't really shoot as much as I used to. I used to shoot when I was like out of college, I shot, but I just don't focus on it. I wanted to focus just mainly on sound and doing grip work. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't do anything like audio wise <clears throat> outside of uh, film. What do you do with uh, music? Like, do you play an instrument? Yeah, I play guitar. I play, I don't even know. It's been like 13 years and I play a lot of, uh, a very, very into thrash metal. Okay. Love Metallica, big Slayer fan. Um, right now I'm just playing nonstop Alice in Chains. I'm all oh, yeah. about learn, learning Alice in Chains riffs. I learned the song Stone yesterday. Stupid fun. So oh, that's much cool. Fun. How long have you been doing that? Playing guitar in like 13 years, but uh, I was in a couple thrash metal bands too, which was fun. Traveling thrash metal bands. Oh really? <laughs> we were playing like Slayer tunes like in churches and shit. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. We uh, our first show, we uh, we played a church called Southminster Church. It was like I was like sixteen, and we had like this. Uh, we played. Uh, we played like we played. I opened with a song I called "The Ping Within." I wrote the lyrics the day before because I had no lyrics for the song. We're like, shit, we need to write lyrics. And I have always like a really cool song. It's really intense, and I wanted to get lyrics. And I was just like, feel the pain, feel the hate. It's the stupidest lyrics ever. <laughs> and, but you know what's funny? Like playing that in a church. And we played that in a church. <laughs> and a, a mosh pit broke out. I was like, yes. In a church. In a church. Well, these like 90-year-old ladies. Are no, like, not 90 oh, year okay. I wish. Probably like, yeah, no. It was like a bunch of. They're like, oh, I feel the pain. I feel the hurt. Yeah. So we and basically. Like, we, we moshed out. We moshed out of church. But funny was our first show is uh, we played that. 
Then we played from the Bell Tolls. I think Seek and Destroy Metallica. We only did like four songs, and then we did Raining Blood by Slayer. We closed it with that. We had this kid named Zeke come up and join us. He had long black hair and he had a crazy Slayer shirt on and whatnot. And he basically did like the windmill headbang. He spun his head in a circle. And the oh, first, okay. the first lines, uh, the first uh, verse in um, Raining Blood after the crazy ass intro is trapped in purgatory. So we said that in a really religious church. And we broke out another mosh pit. Well, how when did we played you? It. How did you end up booking a church? I don't know. <laughs> we just booked the church because I think uh, I don't know. Like apparently Mount Lebanon is a really really big thrash metal area. And they just like they play like thrash metal bands. There's a lot of thrash churches? metal bands from Mount Lebo. Like there was like four or five at the time yeah. when I was playing. And there's a lot of a lot of the, like the really crazy metalheads come from Mount Lebo. Which That's is weird. really funny. It's like the '80s metalhead. I'm talking like they all, we, like they look like they're straight from the '80s, and we play crazy '80s power metal. There's a lot of like, there's Why? a ton of um, like, and I see them at sh- like st- like concert shows all the time. Like all the metal people I've met are all from like Lebo. That's so weird. It is weird. I wonder why. There's just a lot of like metalheads out there. From when I was out, like going there, like I like up in North Allegheny, like I didn't know any metalheads, and then I go to Mount Lebo, all the people are like thrashing and like crazy crap. Huh. I guess it just depends on the culture of the area. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It was like an interesting thing. Huh. Uh, I love thrash metal. Yeah, I know there's a lot of um, like punk is a big thing in Pittsburgh. There's a lot of punk bands. I love punk. Yeah, punk's well, good stuff. Thrash metal was basically punk sped up with metal okay. that's where threat punk or thrash metal came from because the original map like metal bands like metallica and them they listened to like iron maiden and that was whatever but like anthrax it's it's just super fast punk yeah like anthrax is like super fast speedy punk and that's okay. kind of like what it is and i like i love like i love green day that's what, what was the first band i got into like seether's kind of heavier maybe a little not really punkish right. like three days grace was a little bit more punkish i guess yeah yeah i remember um, three days grace but they were like heavier and then like thrash metal is just a faster version of punk okay cool well that explains it it just it seems to be really in the culture of just pittsburgh in general i guess yeah apparently pittsburgh is labeled as um the most violent moshing city alive really we are like the the some of the best metal cases are from um, Pittsburgh metal oh cases God. are like like metal heads yeah um and um I I love metal concerts and I go to ones and like like there is like a like a charting or whatever like literally Pittsburgh is the city of just most craziest mosh pits I could understand that I went to um uh a co- a between the buried and me uh-huh. uh a couple weeks ago and there was some heavy moshing going on there yeah um like one kid and some some like really rather violent crowd surfing. One of the kids who like was crowd surfing, um, they like, they were kind of more tossing him towards the stage. Oh yeah. It sucks. So like he had no control over it and they pretty much like chucked him directly at the stage. They had like bodyguards at the standing, like near the front of the stage to like catch these guys. Well, apparently they weren't le- fast enough. This guy like went head first, like right into the stage, got like knocked out cold. They had to like stop the show and like call an ambulance and stuff and make sure he was okay. It was yeah. like it was ridiculous. Yeah, I uh, uh, my first concert I went to, or like not my first, but like one of my I was getting into this band called Machine Head. I love Machine Head. Okay. Um, nineties uh, groove metal band. They sound like a more brutal version of Pantera but very, very melodic and just amazing riffs. Just okay. incredible. Like It's actually very easy to listen to. It's a little brutal, but whatever. But that's yeah. what it is. But uh, the first time I went, I went to uh, Burgerstown up at Niagara Pavilion, but now it's Key Bank, I guess. Yeah, it's Key Bank uh, Stadium now. Okay, yeah. And um, I went there, and it was like their new album coming up for Onto the Locust, and there were these guys. There's hundreds of people everywhere, and like there was these giant fat guys taking other fat guys – and picking up the fat guys <laughs> and throwing them in the sky like freaking mortars. Oh my god! And like there was like I looked around and there was just fat people, big fat like dudes, flying in the air, flying in the air, <laughs> and they were landing on people like mortars. I oh got hit god. in the head by like a four hundred pound guy, 
it pinched a nerve in my neck. Ah. Oh, and then I was yeah, that's like, how you, but, and my head was numb for like whatever. And then I just stood up and I was like, I was like, oh my god. But then I was just going at it and just kept headbanging. I was just whatever. But you know, it's funny. Like I actually just did a meet and greet with Machine Head, and I told the lead guitarist about that. And he was laughing his ass off. I was like, yeah, uh, I got like I pinched a nerve in my neck and whatever. But I kept going at it. Like it's actually kind of funny that like even though there's a lot of crazy metalheads, the metal community is like so nice. If you go down in a pit. Oh, yeah. You're immediately you, feel, you touch the ground maybe for a hair and then you all of a sudden somebody just grabs you and pull you up but like yeah. i hear like country co- shows like people are dicks like yeah they don't like each other oh, absolutely at all. Like, no one no one's nice but like metal shows and like hard rock shows like everyone's like so nice and caring and this and that like it's such a like a weird community like people are like oh you listen to satanism satanism music or whatever i'm like it's a gimmick who cares yeah like yeah it's not it doesn't like... matter that's not what it's about. It's yeah. not what I it's com- about. It's all about the energy understand. and whatnot. It's really weird. Yeah, I no, I completely agree with the the country thing because like they what who is that guy that always comes to Pittsburgh and it's like always Kenny Chesney. I think it's Kenny Chesney. I think it is Chesney. Like he always comes to Pittsburgh and the people are just really belligerent. They get really drunk and they just they like destroy and they litter everywhere yeah they destroy litter everything and Uh, they just leave an entire mess they're absolute assholes like all the fans who come are just absolute assholes and treat the city like shit and then they just leave and you know leave this mess behind and i just think it's you know compared to like what you were talking about it's just it's just oh yeah no like the the i've seen and like metal shows you see some freaky people. There's no like super hot babes walking around. There's a couple that are like, oh man, that's I wish that was my girl, whatever. But it's like, there are some freaky people that look like they're like they can like touch you with your pointer finger and you'd be dead. Like they're so big and scary and yeah. crazy looking. But in the end of the day, you talk to them, they're nice as hell. Freaky. It's like freaky shit. Yeah. If you go to a ghost show though, that's that's an interesting crowd. Ghost is a a satanic pope metal band satanic pope metal band i think i know what you're talking about <laughs> they're big as hell though they sound like uh it's um it's really funny they're really good they're stupid good they won like a couple years ago they won a grammy for like one of the best metal songs of the year and um there's this guy um named tobias forge who dresses up as a satanic pope wearing all pope clothing and he has a skull as a face and i think i know really who you're messed about. up I've and then seen, he has satanic s- devils behind them like unmasked like our nameless ghouls are called i know who you're the talking music about. is so good it is it sounds like black sabbath and like with church-like themes and halloween mixed together it's incredible yeah i've seen that band before i don't know where i've seen that band before but i know who you're talking about they're awesome yeah. Love it. Because I remember seeing a picture of that guy and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. <laughs> no, the band is like incredible. I actually listened to Ghost the whole way here. Oh, yeah. I was just like, I'm pissed. I'm the, the I actually have tickets. I don't know. Whoever wants my freaking ghost ticket can have it because I can't get rid of it. I have a ghost ticket for May 18th. I oh, can't really? go because I'm on that movie. I bought $50. I'll sell it to you for 35 bucks or less. I don't care. I don't want it. Well, there you go. Ghost Take my ghost tickets. May 18th at the Benetton Center. It'll be fun if you like satanic metal. Satanic it's not even satanic metal. metal. It's like it's satanic happy. It's like the most happiest music you ever listen to. Ghost is like, like as like evil and terrifyingly look. It is the most happiest sounding shit you ever listen to. Huh? And it's just so good. It's so melodic. It's so happy. You don't even know what the hell's going on. If you you if you didn't know what they were singing about, you it would never make like you would never know. Just it's great. Awesome. Well, there you go. Tickets. Or one ticket, two tickets. One ticket. One ticket. ticket. Well, there, there, there is a ticket available if anyone's interested. 35 or less. Maybe, you know, you can maybe get it for less with a little few favors. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> the uh, the lonesome audio guy life. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's switch gears a little bit. So let's go back to... Um, I know in the past I've talked extensively about body farm, but how was it for you from a, a sound guy's perspective? Body farm was cool. Um, when was that? That was how many, pro- how many years did we work on that? 
One many, that I like when I came in. Like whenever three? like they re reevaluated the crew. I think it was like three years. Was it like three after, years ago? After that point, when they did a sort of reevaluation. Yeah, I guess I've known him <laughs> for like two and a half years, like two two and a half three years ago now. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, like I uh, I think yeah, I think I jumped on the body farm in my first year of freelance, which is probably three years ago now. Yeah, I definitely was. And I didn't know what to, uh, I was still hesitant on like what I was doing in the industry at the time, but I jumped in lowballed the hell out of myself rate wise and then I, came I, in. Yeah. And, um, and they were like, they were blown away with some of the stuff, but you know, I came in with them. I did like 18 days total over two years on that film or whatever. I had a blast. Oh yeah. It was, it was really fun. fun. I learned a lot. I didn't know like it was cool. Like Brandon gave me the shot of being an audio guy. Like I was I was already in the process of being an audio guy and I've done a couple things beforehand, but I was still learning and like I like it's so funny, like I like I grew and my kit grew on that project. It was really funny. Like, um I came in with just a boom hole and a microphone and a mixer. That's all yeah. I had. Didn't have crap. Had like very, very light gear and went out there and he was always telling me, he's just like, Dave, your audio sounds great. Your audio sounds great. I'm like, really? I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. I'm just kind of just putting a microphone <laughs> in someone's face and seeing if it works. And like, it's, apparently everybody's liking it. I'm like, okay, cool. And then it was so funny. Like as it project went on, my kit grew and I grew. And then like, he was like, when the project came to a closer end, like the audio just got so much better. Um, and it wasn't that hard. Like it was, it was a good project. It was minimal dialogue, nothing too crazy. Some fun camera shots at times. Yeah. Um, the lighting was easy to work with when we had um, Tim um, Roberts working because it's like, yeah. you know, when you have a good lighting guy, when you can put a boom pole pretty much anywhere and mm -hmm. there's no freaking like hard light anywhere. Yeah. It's always important. We actually just or I had Tim on a few episodes ago. So, yeah, we got to yeah talk yeah, about he does, lighting and stuff. Yeah, he does a really good job with lighting. I like uh, I like working with pro lighting guys um, and he still has a lot to learn and we've talked about it and he knows a lot and he and like he's like an. Like he he'll be a really good pro at some point. Like all of us will be like I, you can I kind of have an idea of like who's gonna be like good sounding guy, good guys further down the line. Yeah. But um, oh definitely. Like we still have a lot to learn, but we all of us learned a lot on the project. It was a good project. It was fun. It was crazy. We got to do some blood. I love working on blood sets. Like like I was saying before, like action stuff is fun. Not like heavy dialogue all the time is pretty intense and it can be really stressful, but. It's fun to do some um, stuff. That was that was a really good project. Uh, it was one of the raunchiest crews I've ever worked with. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah, it's like raunchy is on like a lighter term for yeah. Us, that's but... a lighter term. Um, it was so funny. It was we like it was after we started working together. We just we were a tight knit group. It was funny. We went through PAs on that set religiously. Like we would get in all kinds of just PAs, and I feel like Brandon would never hire them again because they were too PC for our taste. <laughs> in like how we just talked and acted like the core crew yeah. members like we went through so many pas just because they're like they're well, too it was also like really spaced out like all the shoots yeah, were really they were really spaced out. spaced out so but i remember like one of them like uh brandon's like i'm never hiring that guy again he's just like so annoying and so weird he's like i'm not bringing that guy on again <laughs> i'm not gonna say names because i remember the guy's name hold on i'm trying to think Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know if I, if if that got caught on the audio off. No, it doesn't matter. Out. Yeah, I was kidding. Can't hear anything. Didn't <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> I think the mic might have caught that. I might have to cut that out. But really? Okay. Yeah. No way in hell I caught that. I'll I'll check at the end. Didn't say a full name. I said part of a name. Did you? Yeah. I didn't okay. say the full name. Maybe I misheard you. I don't know. We'll we'll discuss it later. <laughs> No, it's all good. It was a great project. Yeah. Everybody learned and this and that, and we did some fun stuff. I like that project. I don't know. Yeah, that's Did fun. I answer that question? Sure. I don't know. I don't know. There are in my life. Any, we can go anywhere with it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. How did you get started in audit? Like, uh, just in film in general, I should say. So, I always, I want to, it was, I don't know. I always wanted to be in film period my parents knew i wanted to be, i was always dramatic i was thinking about doing acting when i was younger whenever we my parents would take me to disney world when i was younger for family vacations 
I would go to like the uh, Indiana Jones exhibit with the crazy like the whole like stage thing. Yeah, that, the that, stage. That, the stage thing is nuts. Oh, it's so it's great. the greatest thing in the world. And it's like I went to it so many times when we were down there. Like I it, had to see it like every day. I was. Like, it I, sucked I, the first time I saw that because I think it was like you remember how it was split up into like three acts. Yeah. Like act one was like he runs gets away from the boulder. I think act two is like the town scene yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that. It was that. amazing. Well, I think it was like. they couldn't do it was either act two or act three because something broke down and we had to leave and i was so that sucks so disappointed that i didn't get to see the whole thing yeah but did you ever see it again yeah i think we went like my fam family went back another year or it might have been the same time we just went in a different day yeah thankfully they had everything fixed i was able to see i saw that so many times and that kind of like got me in the idea of working in like just just the whole theater thing you know it's it's, even it's funny i've never worked on theater that's basically like a theater presentation yeah i've never have done theater work ever i've never worked on anything theater related but um i always liked that and that's what i let everyone like parents and i was always walk running around doing stupid action like things and being super over dramatic i was i always had the idea that i wanted to do acting um so the original idea was to be an actor and then whatever and then i finally when i got out of college or when i got when i was in high school i never took any like classes in like like tv or any of that stuff i just didn't know what to do um it was like i knew i'm gonna work and then i but i wanted to learn more music stuff in high school it was like maybe i'll do music stuff but then i started thinking about it I was like you know what and then i went to college laroche and i took i just got into a film degree i said like all right i'm gonna go to film school i'm gonna cool. do something i didn't it was still in my mind i never knew what i wanted to do so just going for like a just ge- going for a general, general film degree, but I'm going to work in the industry for something. But my mom is very very religious, and she always told me she's like, Dave, you're gonna like. She's like, God spoke to me at one point, and you're going to like. I used to do sound effects when I was whatever, and she says God spoke to me, and you're supposed to work in audio. Like you're going to be like this sound guy, and I'm like, okay. She was always saying like you're destined to be a sound guy. Like she told me that before I went to college for film. So like, that's kind of freaky. And huh. like, she always told me that I was going to be sound guy. Cause Jesus and God spoke to her saying that I'm going to do that. And that's, what's going to be like my career. Huh. And so I was like, all okay. Right. So, and it was funny. Like I was like, okay, mom. All right. Destiny. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> all right. Like, whatever. Yeah, she's a Christian counselor. So she's super religious. That's what Jesus says. That's what Jesus says. Okay. I'll, yeah. I'll, what, I'll okay. Do, uh, I'll do it. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. I'll keep that in mind basically. And I was like, <laughs> okay. So it's funny. I, I started working, um, just getting in film classes, getting into more stuff. And, um, I worked on an indie film, <clears throat> came in as a PA, um, and it was funny, actually, the guys that I did it with was Brendan and Zach, who owned Kept Shut Productions at the time. So okay. I worked for this project called The Door Shep Kept Shut. And um, their boom operator supposedly dropped out, and I held a boom pull on this really, really low-budget short film. There you go. I thought it was really fun. I was kind of good at it. I was like, but they were telling me, like, Dave, John, there's this guy named John Ganade. Love him. He's funny as hell. He's a guy at Pitt. He's just like, Dave. Point the boom at the actor's face. That's what I remember hearing. (laughs) (laughs) And I couldn't do it. I couldn't hold the boom. Like, me and this other guy would swap back and forth because we couldn't hold the boom because it was so tiring. Like, the muscles were not formed. We couldn't hold a boom pole for more than, like, 30 seconds to a minute. That's why I hate booming. It's just, I've had to do it in the past, and I just, I hate having to just, like, stand there like this. Yeah, you shake. I can't do it. It's the shake is brutal. I don't have I don't have the muscle capacity to like do this for like you know long periods of time. Yeah, it uh, <laughs> it beats you up. It it took me a while to get the muscles for it, but I I did that and after I did the little independent film, I got called again. So the same people who did that movie and they're like, hey Dave, we want you to uh, come back and be a boom operator for our next show. I'm like, okay, great, I'd love to do it. So I came back and did another project, did a little bit more, got a little bit more into it got better at it and then after that short film ended then i was asked by um uh jack davis who did the chop and the chop was my first mixing job the chop i think I remember the chop was chop. like that uh wannabe it was like a like a low ultra low indie fast and the furious okay I and think that's I the project that. that i was my first mixing job and this was like th- three and a half four years ago Right, and I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Still, you know what I mean? And um, I jumped. I, oh, I bought a boom pole, 
which was the NTG3 and like a little seven foot boom. And that's all I had. I just, I just bought a microphone and a boom pole, no mixer, but they had the mixer. And I worked with uh, Ray Mongelli on that project, Ray and Missy Mongelli. And uh, they had all the camera gear and then they had a little sound mixer. And I used, they were like, I came in the set and they're like, she's like, oh my God, you have a road. What? We always have these crappy little microphones. And <laughs> they had a boom pole that was made out of a mop. So they made a mop boom pole and awesome. I brought in my like intercoiled boom pole and I used their mixer. And that was the job that I learned how to mix and boom. And that actually taught me how to be a really good boom operator because I was starting to get better and I was thinking about how to, like, I learned about the polar rat, polar pattern and, like, the how to control the axis on the microphone accurately without wireless microphones. And that's kind of how I did it. And then I kept getting asked after that project wrapped. I kept getting asked, and I was like, I feel like this is something. So I'm like, I might as well get a mixer. And I bought a, bought a mixer, and now I'm, like, $14,000 down the drain, and now I have a bunch of crap. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's how. That's you... how it goes. But yeah. yeah, that's that's how I started, and now I'm a uh, full-time freelance sound mixer. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. You, know, you gotta start somewhere, and you just gotta find what you're good at. Yeah, and I I definitely didn't go for acting because I can't memorize shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't w- talk. I wanted I wanted to try and get into acting because I was in like a middle school. I was in like a middle school stage performance of I think it was Pocahontas, I wanna say. Yeah. And I was I played in the performance, I think it was an older John Smith, not the younger John Smith. An older John Smith recollecting on Poke the life of Pocahontas. Mm. So basically most of my stuff I just read lines while standing in front of a a trash can that was flipped upside down and repurposed as a gravestone for Pocahontas. Intriguing. <laughs> I know, but I, I always liked that. And I always wanted to like try out acting, but I always like, I got sucked into like that. You had to be like popular or you had to be like sexy. No, I, I yeah. meant like, well, <laughs> I don't think, uh, Steve's sexy enough for this. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I was never sexy. I'm going enough. bald, so I'm not into it. <laughs> Definitely not sexy enough for being an actor. Well, I just, I, I got sucked into like being in sports and stuff. Which basically, if you want to be part, is of, that through Brandon? Part of the cool kids? What? Or yeah. like for like you talking about like sports filming wise? No, like oh, okay. playing sports in high oh. school. Like to be one of the cool kids. So I never got into like high school, like stage stuff because of that. Yeah, I didn't either. <clears throat> and I just I regret not doing that. But yeah, it's whatever. I get to be behind the camera. So yeah. Did you ever want to go full time freelance? I've tried to do full time freelance, and I wanted to shoot myself, which is why I don't really do it much anymore. Right. It is a. <laughs> it sucks. It's really brutal. Full-time freelance is really yeah. brutal, but I tried to do it for like 2 or 3 months and I just I was terrible at it. I just couldn't get enough jobs. Right. I like I know um I saw a niche with sound because people kept asking me to do um ultra low indies and I was like, "Okay, there's a little thing here." And I heard at the time there was only one other guy named guy named Chris Bell doing it. And I was like, "Oh, so it's just me and oh, Chris Bell. This motherfucker. Oh, this guy he takes all my freaking jobs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm always, nah. I'm always uh, having some issues with Chris, but no, I love Chris Bell. He's yeah, great. Chris, Chris is Chris great. Is great. Me and him, he's gotten me some really big gigs in the past, and I've got, I always send his name all over the place. So we do some good work, but we are definitely yeah. competing with each other like nonstop. Yeah, um, definitely, but, you guys seem to be at the top of you know the indie yeah. scene in Pittsburgh. For yeah. sound. For sound, yeah. For sound, and I saw that niche, so that's why I was like, okay, I think freelancing is the way to do it. And that's I had an in, I had a big internship here in the city um, for a film company, and that's how I got further in the door past the indie level. That's how I got on big um, corporation projects and whatnot, working with like Westinghouse and um, big commercials, Sunkist, um, Lego. Oh, really? Yeah, that's awesome. I um I got, I got that got me in the foot my foot in the door. I've done big corporates because of them. And then they're like, I was an intern and then they're like, Hey, this is Dave. He's doing audio. And then it sent me to another thing. I've done like oil site audio 
hmm. uh, like crazy crap, crazy corporate videos I've gotten on because I was a um, because what, I had a big internship. What's what do you think would be the craziest thing you've done? Craziest thing, audio wise? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's like probably like I don't really know. Like the craziest crap probably was working on the chop. We did some really stupid crap. Oh really? Um, we were we were hanging out of cars, like holding <laughs> microphones and shit. I'm assuming there wasn't. While we were like, driving like 80 miles per hour. I'm assuming this this there wasn't the proper safety precautions. No 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 no, no not on the chop. We whatever got the shot and whatever got the audio, we did it. You know what I mean? Jesus. Did stupid stupid crap. Jesus. But it doesn't matter. It it looked <laughs> cool. <laughs> but I. Uh, uh, the, probably the dumbest thing you can do, and I've done it a few times. I just did it on a project called Mulligan, which was this big uh, TV show here in Pittsburgh. It was big on big uh, like like union, but not union project. Yeah, it had Steve O'Paris. It was the like the AD of the city working on it, like the the AD for films here. Every project comes here. He's like these he's the guy. And then they had the freaking guy from Mindhunter named Brian Osman who shot all of cam it was camera B camera operator on Mindhunter. Okay. And I was like, how the hell am I the sound mixer to do these like legends? I'm like, cool. But I was like to to impress them, the stupidest thing I did was I got in the back of a car, laying down in the trunk, and they were doing a police chase sequence and I laid in the back of the trunk while they're going about 90 miles per hour around turns. Good lord. And uh, I mixed their audio perfectly. That's awesome. I hid microphones, but you're not supposed to do that. Don't do that. That's a bad thing to do. You're supposed to put the mixer in the car if you don't have crazy wireless stuff. Put it in the car, set it up and walk away. <laughs> so yeah. and press record and walk away. I did actually a lot of um I did a lot of that record walk away cuz we had a lot of shots of um like crazy camera rigs on golf carts because it was a golfing show and i basically stuck my mixer in the like basket in the golf cart in the back of the golf cart and they would drive around for like 40 minutes and my mixer would just still record and so would the cameras too because that's what they're doing there was no camera and there's no like other car following them it was just a camera and a sound mixer stuck to the to the um to the golf cart and it would just record for days yeah sounds pretty simple actually that's simple you just have to rig it correctly yeah but other than that, no it's i don't remember what we're talking about now dangerous the most crazy stuff the most craziest shoot i ever saw though in my career of filmmaking was when i was an intern and it was a raining money shoot the company that i interned for rented out one hundred thousand fake one dollar bills called <laughs> movie picture use only money yeah and um those. oh my god and uh, we did a political ad. It was Tom Corbett, Tor- Tom Corbett versus Tom Wolf, like I don't know, like six years ago. And um, <clears throat> we had uh, we went down to the Aspen Wall and we rained money over the s- city of Aspen Wall. We literally made it rain. We had the producers <laughs> screaming, "Money, money!" We were shooting a thing in off speed, which is slow motion. <laughs> And um, we would have like realistic shots and they would cut to slow motion of people looking into the sky and there'd be hundreds of thousands of dollars of money just flying to the streets. The freaking three days of filming that was super windy and there was money going everywhere, 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 flying all over the place over this local town. Uh, We had to put a reverse 911 call out so that people would not spend these money because it looks super real because after more and more it hit the ground they looked exactly real because they were dirty and gross we oh, literally had no. like there was people on co2 canisters on ladders like 15 feet in the air shooting hundreds and thousands of ones out of their hands with a dremel with this wooden block and shooting into this compressing cannon and then they had a bunch of production assistants on the ground with these giant fans and we were taking there was giant stacks of money it looked like brian cranston's like Breaking Bad, basically. We would just oh, go yeah. into like a box and start picking up money and flicking it like you'd make it rain. Just <laughs> doing that noise. And we and they and then and then the producer was like, We can't cut yet, we're still shooting and they're still shooting in slow motion. So we're running around picking up ones and throwing it into the fans. It was crazy. It was uh. the stupidest, ridiculous thing. I, I remember we blew up, we actually shot like we lost like I think forty thousand ones. They the, they had an idea to return the ones back to the company but it was all fucked up and oh, it was all destroyed and screwed up you didn't, you didn't say fuck I just okay said, fine i said fuck fuck all right whatever. whatever um but we we said cunt like 40 times on the one podcast wonderful before, so if i can say fuck i can say cunt <laughs> i'm supposed to say that backwards i messed up i said it backwards whatever but yeah we uh 
We they brought, lost about forty thousand ones. Um, they lost a lot of money, and that ad and note they, was they never. They didn't think they didn't think that was gonna happen. No. They were like, "Oh yeah, we're returning." All it was these. funny. We were shooting next to a freeway. All the money was going on the freeway, and cars were swerving. <laughs> just raining money in the sky. I wonder if people were like, run, get were people getting out of their cars and I like, think so, oh, yeah, <laughs> yes, oh, dude, I'm rich, dude. It was the most ridiculous crap I've ever seen. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? I thought it was really funny. <laughs> um, that 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 was the most absolutely ridiculous thing I've ever been on. Oh, that company man. that I interned with, they did some crazy crap. Um, yeah, we did a Steelers commercial. Like people wearing like Steelers clothing, like we did a. I set up a, I helped set up. I was a grip on that, and I helped set up a uh, beauty pageant. Okay. For like a Steelers shirt, with like this whole entire beauty pageant that we had a ballerina dancing, we had a freaking like symphony playing with people wearing Steelers shirts. It was wacky. We did a wedding, crazy crap. They do crazy skits. Huh. Fun stuff. That's interesting. I don't know. Indies though, I haven't worked on anything too crazy indie wise though. Where's the, where's the furthest you've gone to furthest. work on a project? Well, it's going to be now coming up to Cleveland. Will be like the furthest I will be gone because I'll be gone for 21 days straight. Okay. But the furthest I've been on recently, I don't know. It's ever it's always like like two hours. I've been working in West Virginia a lot le- recently. Okay. So only like an hour and a half away normally. I actually just worked in um the furthest I actually just worked actually was in Altoona. I just did a. Uh, a pilot in Altoona and that was a lot of fun. Oh really? Yeah, we had it was called Almost Grown Ups. Um it's actually getting blown up all over the Pittsburgh Film Crew's paging. They won't stop. They blow up it up every day. Oh really? The guy named Kirk. Um he keeps blowing everybody up. I love Kirk. He's wonderful. Interesting group of people, but that was a very sexual comedy show. If you like to uh if you like seeing Dave Ogredowski even more <laughs> cuz he's in every like indie project, love the guy. Oh, Dave. Uh, you can see him. We, uh, I did some. That was a fun set because I did some on-set fully for some penetrating noises with uh, ramen noodles. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, get that nice. through your head. I'm not going to spoil it, but I, I did some penetrating noises with ramen. That's great. Yeah, I, I got I to do some fun on-set fully. I, I Good. It was. Uh, I just, I just did that like a few weeks ago. I went to Altoona for six days, and Altoona is kind of far. It's like two and a half hours. Yeah, I used to. Uh, I went to school with Juniata, which is like. 35, 40 minutes from Altoona. Yeah. It was like the closest place to go if you wanted to like go shopping or go to a good, like a decent restaurant or something like that. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm familiar with the place. Yeah, I'm stoked. We're actually coming back to uh, do the second episode. And um, I come back after after the Slayers. No, it's, no, it's, before, damn, that's right. I do a, I go, I go to Cleveland, come back, go to Memorial Day weekend. Then I go to Altoona. Then luckily after, after, what's greatest thing about the end of the Altoona shoot Slayer's final farewell tour. Oh really? The next day. So it's a good week. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Working on a very, very raunchy skit to hell Satan Slayer. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Very nice. Yeah. I haven't worked too far. I've been asked to go to New York a couple of times, but every time it was going to happen, it got canceled. Oh, it falls through. Yeah. That'd be fun to work in New York. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to live there, but working there would be fun. Yeah, I was hesitant about moving there. I kind of wish I moved to Atlanta though. A while ago, there's a lot of a lot of talk about people going to Atlanta. Yeah, but do you know the rule? If you want to get in the union, do you know the union rules? What's the union rules? If you want to be a union guy working on a union set, and there's like 300 plus union sets in Atlanta, so there's like booming amount of work. You have to live in order to join the IOTC union. You have to live 18 months in that state before you can even write an application oh, really? to get in the union. So that's why I didn't move. So that's why I'm still a Pittsburgh sound guy. So you would have to spend pretty much 18 months doing non-union gigs. Yeah. Before you can even apply to put your name in the, to uh, put your name on the list. And then you still got to grind and hustle your way in. Man, that's rough. It's like and, two and, and half, I assume it could be two two and a half years. And I assume moving to a new city, if you don't have any connections there, that's probably like starting fresh like starting fresh literally starting fresh and that's why i was really hesitant i had a lot of friends that moved california and this and that but i always wanted to get in the union but that is like how it works and i told actually joe that joe was really hesitant really wanted to go and move to atlanta and i told him he, he says i want to join the union and Atlanta. i was like dude are you aware that you have to have an 18 month year residency and then he's like uh no i'm like 
look it up. <laughs> it's called the local 479. Yeah. That's the role. Yeah, he mentioned that to me too. So he was pissed when I told him because I re- I found him when I was going to a set. I was working in December and I saw him walking by and he was just about to crack. I was like, I'm like, you can't don't move to Atlanta unless if you're trying to go in the union because you're not gonna be able to get in right away. Yeah, it's tough. It's rough. You rough. gotta really know people, I guess. Yeah, or you join the union here and then you transfer, which you can do. Oh, so that's what you're working towards. Mm-hmm because then I can have that option. I don't know what the deal is with the transfer. When you can transfer, once you're in the union in a certain state. Yeah. But you, it is a thing that you can do eventually. So. Cool. Yeah. No. Well. Where are we at on this? I don't know. How long have we been talking? Uh, I think a little over 50 minutes. It's pretty good, I guess. Yeah. Well, best of luck to you in the future. Thank you, buddy. Always it's a always pleasure yeah. talking to you and working with you on set. Mm-hmm. Always a pleasure. As we always cross paths in one way or another, I'm sure we will cross paths yeah, again. Last, I think the last time I saw you was on Remnants. Remnants. Remnants was James Garvin's project. Oh, yeah. Remnants. We worked at the... Well, we did one more thing on Body Farm after that, didn't we? Did we? I think so. I don't know. Yeah, I don't it's, know. it's all kind of blurring together at this point. Yeah, it does. Uh, like people always ask me, like, "What do you do?" I'm like, I can't even remember half the crap I've been on. Yeah, it's like I've been on a lot of movies. It's a good sign, but like, yeah, I, I don't actually remember. had to do. I had to do. Uh, I was what was I? Uh, like the sound mixer. I'm using quotation marks. Sound mixer on. Oh, I think it was a 48 that Joe and Ian did. Yeah. Because I I don't know how I ended up doing it, but um. Yeah, I was like, oh boy, I don't do this. So this is like <laughs> foreign territory to me. Yeah, They're just like, here, here's a boom pole and a, a mixer. I'm like, okay, you really trust me with this? <laughs> yeah, I, I like Joe and Ian. They're great. Yeah, they're they're fun to work with. I'm just, I was not prepared for that. Yeah, but, that's, but that's it, how I it feel turned about out all right. touching like a camera. Some cameras, at least. Yeah. I can navigate myself through a red, though. I understand the red very well. Oh, really? I don't think I've ever worked with a red. I've Reds, worked with, uh, reds are really simple. I've worked with cannons, black magics. Um, yeah, I, I, the, I the red is stupid easy to navigate through. Like, I've had to, like, I've never shot in with it, but you can press, like, it's a really easy screen. to yeah. like, like, it's so intuitive. And, like, I've done, like, when I patch in my audio into it, I've I have to navigate through the system and, like, set the stuff up. But it is, they're easy to use. Yeah. Now they got that new uh, black magic that everyone's talking about. It's yeah, gonna be coming out. I don't. I've never seen it, but Joey's just Joe's really worried that everyone's gonna turn into a DP. I'm like, I highly doubt that. But whatever. Yeah. I saw that post yeah, on DC. I'm like, I start laughing. Facebook. <laughs> I was like, I don't see that happening. I was like, well, hey, what about for us who can't afford, you know, five? How much does it cost? Five to ten thousand dollars. It's like only a thousand dollars, maybe a little, oh, little okay. over a thousand dollars. Okay. Like, I'm like, well, I can't afford like a five to ten grand camera so that would be right up my alley right or i just don't want to put myself in that much debt yeah either, no I, either that's, or. How, that's how that, that that's how I, me and chris bell on the zoom f8 was only a thousand dollar sound mixer yeah does insane amount of crap and we've both made a fortune on it just buy whatever you think is going to get you the yeah i just money back i know that i probably won't get the money back on it but i because i don't i don't do it enough right for obvious reasons that i just i hate freelancing well i just it's too much stress on me to freelance full-time so i just can't i can't do it but yeah whoever wants to go freelance be motivated yeah it's definitely you have pure motivation you have to be you have to be very good at self-motivation i am i try to self-motivate myself but it's just you know it's not always there. <laughs> That's how I feel when I want to go work out. I'm really good or talking to a girl. I'm like, damn it, I suck at this. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. practice makes perfect. Practice right? makes perfect, but no, yeah, just get out there and do it. Do what you want to fo- follow, what path you want, and take it. Follow your dreams. Follow your dreams. Follow the rainbow. It'll lead to that pot of gold. Or nothing. Or nothing. Pot of poop. Poop pot. Poop emoji. Poop emoji. 
It'll just be a little poop emoji there for you. I guess that's the end, right? That's how we end this podcast. Poop emoji. <laughs> All right. And now I have to take a shit, so good night. Uh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Poop emoji. Peace out. Poop emoji.